day late, but not quite a dollar short. Cloudy with a chance of racing coming to you. Episode 26 after the NASCAR weekend in Indianapolis. We got the whole gang back here. I'm Braxton, Steve, Jake, and Dylan here with us as well. Uh, a big weekend of racing in the racing capital of the world for all three NASCAR series plus IndyCar at the uh, Indianapolis Road Course as well. Uh, but guys, how are we doing this weekend? Uh, or after this weekend, I know Jake's back from vacation, and there was, or sorry, Dylan's back from vacation, and there was a big uh, dirt race in Kentucky that we'll get to a little bit later. But how are we feeling after the Indy, uh, Indianapolis weekend? Underwhelmed uh, about the Indy Road Course, and uh, hoping that it is no longer an Indy Road Course after next year. But uh, just overall, overall, and I have a feeling that we're all going to share a similar sentiment here that the uh, Indy road course has run its course and that maybe next year we will get back to uh, the Brickyard 400 or whatever ancillary sponsor they'll attach to the Brickyard 400. (laughs) Yeah, I I kind of feel the same way, Steve. Um, The race weekend was, was fine. There wasn't, you know, um, much in terms of drama, which I guess is good because considering Last year's Indy Road Course was a mess. Um, there were some things changed about the race um, that kind of made it that way. And hats off to Michael McDowell in the Cup Series. It, he was dominant, and there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And he now shifts a lot of playoff pressure onto some other drivers here these last two of the regular season. I thought it was a fun weekend of uh, racing. Um... I do think – I don't know. I, I enjoyed the race. I, I thought it was kind of like an old-school kind of feel to it. And I like that we had, you know, three good cars that were able to not get taken out of it at the end due to somebody that was terrible all day having dumb strategy and winning the race like we've gotten, you know, in the past with, I don't know, Joey Logano's win over Ryan Blaney kind of comes to mind. Was that Vegas or was that over Blaney? I'm not sure. It was Joe Legano over someone, maybe Kyle Larson a couple years ago. I don't know. Just a late caution allowing a guy to come in and win. Um, I'm glad it it came down to, you know, who just had the best car. And Michael McDowell did. Big surprise there. Yeah, the the furniture car, number 34, Michael McDowell, had a fantastic ride, literally a rocket ship all weekend long. Uh, And it was good to see that group. Uh, be rewarded for their efforts because because uh, they they definitely seem like a group that does literally everything they can. All the teams do, but they do everything they can with very uh, little resources compared to the big time teams. So very cool to see them get the win. Uh, let's start with uh, with Friday night with the Truck Series opening up their playoffs at IRP and Time Majeski. Uh, much like the last time the Truck Series is out at Richmond had the best truck once again on a short track and absolutely waylaid the entire field in route to uh, winning the uh, playoff race there and getting himself locked into the next round. Uh, And then the other big story in that was Shane Van Gisbergen uh, finishing 19th in his first truck race. Do we think that's, is that a respectable finish? Is that a lackluster? How do we, how do we think uh, of, uh, of SVG's, uh, debut in a uh, more traditional chassis uh, NASCAR vehicle. I'll say that, not the next gen with the IRS, but uh, 
you know, the old, old style chassis kind of deal. What, what do we think there? Fine, I guess. I mean, I think uh, they're banking. I, I think they're going to put a lot, they're putting a lot of emphasis on him uh, in the cup series. And so they want to see how he is, I think with different, uh, like just different equipment, which I understand completely. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't know. I, I don't want to sound like too much of a Debbie Downer. I think it's pretty cool that Gisbergen is going to be coming uh, but it's also kind of strange to me because I'm not a hundred percent sure as to like how successful he's going to be. So like you would think and hope that if he is able to kind of jump into a car and like he did at the Chicago, you know, street course, that it would be a better finish, but I guess you can't really, you can't really expect that every single time, but I don't know, maybe you can, I mean, maybe that's what they were expecting is that he would jump in and, have a top five or win, but I don't, I would certainly hope they didn't think that. Yeah, it was, I, I thought it, it was, it was pretty decent. I mean, also considering, you know, he's he in behind the wheel of a truck and not exactly with the, the next gen that he drove at the Chicago street course, but it, it was pretty respectable. Also, you know, being a short track, like it was, um, I'm sure there's, Obviously, there's a learning curve. Um, and with it, you know, being the playoffs in the truck series, uh, a lot of the teams in the playoffs, you know, a lot of a lot of heightened work. And um, and you saw some of the heavy hitters re- have really good runs that are in the playoffs. So, yeah, I um, as far as, you know, what to expect from him for maybe a full season, SVG, um, it'll be interesting. And, there's, and that's one of the storylines – of all this week with him and uh, track house racing. Um, you know, I, I thought as far as SVG goes the run at, at the brickyard, I thought, you know, the top 10, I mean, you can't, you, um, you can't really, you know, fault him for that. That, that is a great run again. I think. I also, I just wanted to mention that Raja Karuth had a uh, great day. Uh, oh, yeah. He had, totally. he had his best run in probably, I don't know, maybe three months. Uh, two months, two and a half months, maybe. So, um, you know, it's amazing what he, what a lot of the drivers in the truck series can do and show when they're not getting cleaned out. Which he has had awful luck over the last. I don't honestly. It seems like every week. Sometimes it's you know it's a little fifty fifty, but I really I feel like he just has awful luck in the truck series. I thought that the race was probably the worst one, including the IndyCar race of the weekend. I, I just, I actually was able to catch a little bit more of it than I was the Xfinity series race. Um, I watched more of the IndyCar and the cup series race, but I thought it was, you know, just a dominating kind of road course win. So again, people complain about how the next gen car race is on, on the short tracks, but this kind of shows that can happen with old style cars too. You know, if somebody just has a better, equipment than everyone else and just a better faster car but um back to van gisberg and i thought it was respectable he's kind of put in a really tough spot right i mean it's the playoffs he's got to be respectable respectful to those playoff drivers you know for the the truck series you can't race them hard he also still getting used to driving that style of car um for him to not wreck out of it i think uh, is pretty 
a, a huge testament to him. I, I was expecting him to struggle, and I think he struggled, but not as bad as uh, I think a lot of people thought he might, given his lack of experience in that type of car and the fact that he's going against truck series drivers, which aren't known to be you know, very kind to first-time drivers, and, and like you mentioned with Roger Ruth and things like that, and younger guys. Um, he's not a younger guy, obviously, but he is uh, someone with less experience than them, and it's a playoff. So uh, I think he can come out of that, um, you know, pretty happy with himself. Yeah, especially, too, like, you know, he's never run uh, an asphalt oval before, and IRP is a very weird track. It's not like a Martinsville where you're just going and, and, and riding the curb all the way around the corners, you're kind of, you know, two thirds to three quarters of the way up the track as the fast line at IRP. So I'd say it's a pretty respectable run for him. And uh, the fact that he was just able to finish all the laps is, is huge for him. You know, you're not going to gain anything by, you know, running 10, 15 laps and then getting wrecked out. Uh, like, uh, like unfortunately Haley Deegan had uh, on that topic. I think it's interesting though, that kind of, you mentioned somebody with rotten luck, Steve, like, Haley Deegan seems to just have absolutely rotten luck in the truck series. And then you see she goes out and podiums in the SRX race at, uh, at uh, Eldora. And she was uh, she's running the top five most of the SRX feature at Berlin the week prior. I think that SRX series is doing a lot to prove her uh, ability as a driver more than running the, cup se- uh, the truck series. Excuse me. Well, I definitely agree with that. I mean, she's shown talent. Um, over the last, well, I mean, this year even, it's just, I feel like it's so few and far between where there are issues that come up and it's like, you know, it'll be like a, a top 10 when like five straight, you know, 18, 19, 25, and then another one. So, um, you know, again, like IRP was bad for her, uh, overall. I mean, I don't even, I don't remember what she finished, but it was like very far down, yeah, um, she got wrecked pretty early. I feel yeah. Like. Uh, so, I, it, yeah, I, I agree. Though I think that, like you, you watched, and the, it's another thing about the SRX races is that, that, like, you know, these drivers, the ones who perform well, are learning throughout the entire race, and that's one thing that you can see with what she's doing in SRX is it's like sometimes you don't see that as much in the truck series with her, but during those SRX races, she's really like she's finding lines that you know, are working well for her and, you know, it, it, it works out, but it's just a weird dynamic between the two, the two series that it's like, if one is, it's not working in one, why is it working in the other and vice versa? I think the difference there is, uh, is, you know, all the SRX drivers are experienced drivers and for the most part, very respectful drivers that they're not going to go out there and, and, you know, just put the bumper to you to get you out of the way. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll race you. And that just doesn't happen very much in the truck series. And it seems like a lot of the accidents that she is collected in are drivers just getting in way over their heads and, uh, and not being able to control their trucks. It's like an ARCA race, basically. Yeah. It, the truck series is a glorified ARCA race in a lot of ways, right. unfortunately. I, I wanted to check on two. Yeah. I think it's interesting to draw the comparison between the truck series and the cup series in terms of the driver performances this year, uh, because I feel like uh, early on in the truck series, uh, Zane Smith was setting the world on fire over there. Very similar to how William Byron was doing in the cup series early on. And now uh, in the last, you know, month or two, you know, Zane Smith's kind of fallen off a little bit. William Byron's kind of fallen off a little bit. 
then I, I would put Ty Majeski as the the Martin Truex equivalent in the Truck Series right now, and I would I would put Ty Majeski as the the favorite to win the, the championship over there in the trucks. But I'm curious what you guys think. There is is Majeski the guy, or can Zane Smith or Carson Hosevar make a run at him? Well, I do. I mean, Zane Smith and as over the last like uh, six weeks has been top five just about every week except for like one. Um, I, so yeah, I, I get it, but I still think that. Like, I don't know. Does he have the highest ceiling overall right now? Uh, I think so, because Majeski, I think all of his wins are on the shorter tracks. Yeah. I, uh, I, you know, yeah. Where he's cut his teeth in the late models, whereas Zane Smith has won on a little bit of everything, I feel like. Yeah, I'll say that. I'll say that Zane Smith. Yeah, I, I think, it. you know, it's going to come right down to the wire. I, I don't... I'd probably lean Zane Smith, though, mainly because of the point you guys just brought up. Uh, looking at, you know, the playoff schedule for the trucks, um, you know, but Ty, Ty Majeski, um, he's he's been knocking on the door recently. He, they had the uh, that weird deal at, at Richmond where he performed really, really well and couldn't pull together that win just a couple weeks ago. So uh, they race well lately. So if you're going with a hotter hand, it would probably be Ty. Um, but that, down the stretch here with the schedule, you might lean Zane Smith. Yeah, I, I think Zane Smith probably going to go into the championship race as a favorite. But again, with it being Phoenix, that could play into Majeski's and, you know, his style of track. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, Dylan. That was the point I was just about to make. So, um, so the truck series is off for a little bit. I think they are off this weekend and uh, Daytona weekend. They are at the Milwaukee Mile, which would be a nice uh, uh, change of pace, a different track that we haven't seen in NASCAR in a little while. And uh, and it'll be a, another flat type of racetrack, much like uh, IRP. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And, I, and it's in time in Jeske's home state, so he might go back to back. Uh, there to start off the playoffs in the truck series. On Saturday in the Xfinity series, Ty Majeski dominated the whole thing. Uh, or, sorry, Ty Gibbs. It was a Ty weekend. Ty Gibbs dominated the whole <laughs> race. Um, and and he just put on a, a, a crazy show. And, and it was... Uh, it kind of made it a little bit boring, but also um, I, I thought it was just an impressive show. Like At some point, you just have to kind of sit back and appreciate the, the somebody has put together such a crazy good setup in a car to go out and beat the pants off everybody else. Uh, and I think that's what Saturday was and to an extent Sunday as well. Well, so um, I didn't really get to see much of the Xfinity race. Um, but what I did see is that uh, Kligerman yet again, another top 10 just don't see a win coming for him anytime soon, but just really grinding it out. And Kaz Grala snagged a top 10 after his starting position. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Well, with Kligerman, the trouble for him is that he's running top 10, but like Riley Herbst is also running really well. And, and like they're, they're within a couple positions of each other every race. So it's not like Parker has much opportunity to, to earn more points and, and try to point his way in the playoffs. But yeah, a good run for him and Kaz Grala, um, really good road racer uh, and making the most of his opportunity there in the 26. I, I was, I mean, you know, I think Ty Gibbs is in an in, in exceptional talent and, you know, I know that we've 
drawn comparisons at least last year and this year to um to like with Noah Gregson and who is going to have more of a successful you know rookie year I think was obviously going to be Gibbs just based on talent but also equipment but it's funny like Gibbs goes back down to Xfinity and just dominates sometimes so you know it's the seat time is important the understanding of what you're you know, the, how the equipment's working and, and things I think just sets him apart from other, other rookies or other, you know, of, of maybe this year, or previous years. So I, I'm very, very impressed with what Gibbs is doing. I, I it's, it's remarkable. And I think that, um, you know, he's gonna, he's having a decent rookie year, I think, but it's going to be for the years to come. I think he's going to be impressive. Yeah. I really think as far as Ty Gibbs future, I mean, Sky's kind of the limit, obviously. Uh, he has the funding, and, and he's been with, uh, you know, great partner with Monster Energy and, you know, for Joe Gibbs Racing itself. But um, as far as the, I mean, the Xfinity win, it's just, you know, kind of a statement to go down, you know, down the, to the Xfinity series when you've been a cup regular this season and to do it on, you know, the Indy road course. Um, you know, in dominating fashion, um, 28 laps led. And he held off, uh, you know, some guys that are, you know, Sam Mayer one that's been running well lately. And then, of course, A.J. Allmendinger. Um, we know what he can do at a road course. But A.J. kind of had had a disappointing stretch here, really, overall, no matter the series he's been in um, recently. Um, but that's beside the point. Um, but as far as Ty goes, yeah, I, I think he's going to, um, suit very well, no matter what series he is in, as he just keeps getting more seat time, uh, here, you know, he, he's so young and you have to remember that, but so he'll be well on his way here. I think he would have been somebody that would have benefited Sunday if, you know, strategy kind of fell his way after spinning early on uh, because, you know, he was just so dominant Saturday. Um, so I think that would have been nice to see him actually being able to compete because I think he had a fast car Sunday too. So, yeah, um, again, not much you can say from that race. Um, but uh, I think the big kind of drama with that was, you know, all the weather leading up to their actual race taking place. Um which yeah, the little lightning things. delay. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Xfinity did not produce, and I guess you could say the Cup Series didn't live up to expectations either. So that might lend to possibly the Oval coming back. So. Yeah, I think the uh, the best race of the weekend on the uh, the IMS uh, property was the IndyCar race. I mean, that was just a spectacular uh, cat and mouse there with uh with Scott Dixon and Graham Rahal and. Man, I feel for Graham because he, they fought so hard and and, and get a, to get a win and uh and and they're so close to it, especially after everything that happened with them at that track in May on uh, qualifying for the Indianapolis 500. Um, I thought that was the best race of the weekend there, and uh and, and that's not necessarily a knock on the other two, but you know when you have the the leaders right there and and Graham was coming, and if he if the lap traffic played nicely in his favor, he could have gotten there, but uh um. A very good race overall uh, for the IndyCar series. Scott Dixon's, you know, stats: nineteen straight 
consecutive seasons with a win. Uh, you don't see that, you know, in sports any longer. You know, somebody with just dominance, not really dominance, but just an Iron Man. You know, he's been there for that long. Um, he's champion. And then his, he also set the consecutive starts record as well with that race, too. So I thought how, that was cool. How about Chip Ganassi making a statement, an actual statement relating to Alex Pillow and uh, the Aero McLaren situation? You don't see him make statements on things very often. Uh, quite the interesting scenario uh, for the kind of triangle of, of uh, those, like, you know, Zach Brown, Aero McLaren, and Pillow and Chip Ganassi. Absolutely hilarious. Just when we thought this was all over last year, it fires right back up. I was, I mean, you know, you I like I said, you don't see him, Ganassi, make statements about really anything. It's, you know, you could tell that this was, you know, he's very angry and I get it. I mean, I don't know. The whole situation was kind of ridiculous, to be honest with you, but uh, I, I would see why he would want Pillow. I mean, Pillow is, you know, a, a, a superstar, you know, and so just IndyCar produces, I think, so much good content every every week. The racing is very good, better than Formula One. The drivers are more known here. Uh, there's drama, you know, it's. I think it's an understated type of racing that that I think Formula One fans who only watch Formula One don't pay enough or close attention to. I would agree with that. Just for sure, yeah. I uh, before we get on to the Cup Series race on Sunday, how about uh, there was a race in Central Iowa on uh, Saturday night that um, some guy in the fifty-seven car won. Oh yes, Kyle Larson won the Knoxville Nationals for the second year in a row. And then literally like eight hours later, if that, he was in Indianapolis unveiling his uh, two paint schemes for his Indianapolis double for next spring. Uh, The Aero McLaren car he will pilot in the Indianapolis 500. And then, of course, his Hendrick Motorsports number five, he will drive in the Coca-Cola 600 that night. Um, What can't this guy do? I mean... You see a guy come out there and and won the Knoxville Nationals again, and you're just like, it's another reminder. This might be the best living race car driver, like best active race car driver, right now, and it makes you wonder. He he could really win the Indy 500, right? Uh man, I that's it's hard. I mean, you know, like I don't know how. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, yes, like he. I think of all the drivers that could. In the Cup Series, he would be probably, I, I would say he's the only one, really. I mean, um, and I'm talking about like full-time drivers, not like some sort of like ringer. But like, you have to think like, he's probably the best at um, adapting quickly to the equipment that he's in, I think. Like, he can hop in anything and be competitive within maybe a few laps. Uh, if he has the car, maybe, but it is so hard to win that race. It's like, you know, he can't, he's not good on super speedways. You know what I mean? In the cup series. So not that he's not good, but he doesn't finish well. Um, and so uh, it's like, there's not a lot of difference in the track with that. So I guess we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm going to say no, but I'm usually wrong about stuff. <laughs> Man, wouldn't, wouldn't that be... Wouldn't that be fun, though? Um, it will be just to see him out there in the Indianapolis 500 next year to see what he can do. I mean, uh, you know, 
I'm curious to see in, we mentioned, you know, part of this in our group text earlier in the week, I think Braxton just brought it up, you know, just how, you know, how good Kyle Larson is in a, any discipline of American motorsports. If you were to, you know, ask, you know, the, the casual fan and, and maybe uh, you could, you could put up an argument for Kyle Larson being, you know, one of the top in the world. And I'm sure people would welcome that debate. Um, and that's a whole other can of worms there, but um, I'm sure that, you know, he'll, he'll be competitive, but it, it will be tough. Um, but of course, Hey, if we learned anything about the last month in the NASCAR cup series, we saw SVG win hop in and win the Chicago street course. Um, I know there's, that's kind of apples to oranges, but uh, you never know. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, someone taking on the double. That's for sure. Yeah. I remember I was, you know, the last time anyone did it with Kurt Busch, I was, you know, really excited. He ran really well in the Indy 500. I think that caught a lot of people off guard that Kurt Busch of all people would be someone that could, you know, compete at the Indy 500. And he did in a big way, I think. Um, I know that the whole racing world is going to have its eyes on Indy for that, though, for sure, because that's going to be, you know, already everyone's watching. But now it's like, you know, somebody like Kyle Larson that I think, you know, could have gone on to be the greatest IndyCar driver ever, too. You know, hearing his story about when he, you know, almost took that path, he he wanted to go down that path, but, um, you know, ended up in NASCAR. Uh, So it's going to be interesting. One thing that kind of worries me, though, is like the last time McLaren had a big, driver in their one of their cars trying to make the Indy 500 remember that fiasco with Fernando Alonso so <laughs> that uh, that's the only thing that kind of worries me but uh I think if anyone's going to be able to put together a good month because th- you know how Kyle Larson is man loves the race he's going to you know attend a, a lot of those practices that go on during the month of May he's going to find a way to get his car better um and and fine-tune that thing the way he wants to race it I just think it's gonna be interesting how he, um, you know, he adapts so well, and he has so much uh, wealth of knowledge from the different cars he's been in. You know, the the sprint car, the midget, the dirt late model, the cup car, obviously, um, like all of that, you know, melded together. I think this is gonna create a, a really interesting uh, dynamic in terms of the feedback he's able to give the, to the team that uh, you know no one else really in. And IndyCar is able to give that to their team because they they've never driven the the kind of wide range of stuff that Kyle Larson's driven. I don't know if that'll necessarily be a huge help or if uh, or not, but I think it's it's definitely worthwhile and and kind of sets him apart a little bit in that sense, right? Um, I think it's interesting and very cool that they are going to run the 17 car in the Indianapolis 500 as a nice homage to uh, Ricky Hendrick. Uh, with the 17 there and it's in the hms blue uh it'll be a uh a great thing to watch there i did see that uh he he said he's been in the indycar simulator a little bit uh he he did the um the mid mid ohio course uh an indycar simulator and one of the comments i thought was wild that he made was he was on the brakes and stuff and the the engineers like okay you're doing good and then he's like, what can I do better? And they're like, well, you need about 2,000 pounds more brake pressure. And he's like, what in the world are you talking about? Another 2,000 pounds of, of, of pedal pressure on the brake is insane. Uh, but that's 
that's just, you know, one of the things he's going to have to learn. Of course, he's not going to be on the brakes very much at any, so that'll help him. Uh, but, but I'm excited to see what he does there. Uh, it, like I said, he's, he's won in everything else he's been in, and I think he is going to put every effort to do well there. I did think the one comment he made that was interesting, though, is he said something to the effect of, I think it's okay for me to focus a little bit more attention on Indy over the Cup Series car for that month because we're going to be in the playoffs anyways. And he didn't say that in so many words, but that's effectively what he meant, that we're such a good Cup Series team. We'll be fine for the playoffs if I you know, focus a little bit more energy on the uh, uh, on the Indy 500. Is that, uh, is that like an accurate statement, a fair statement, or is that overly cocky, do we think? No, I mean, I agree with him. I agree with that. I mean, he is uh, somebody who is, he can hop into a car, like I said, and figure it out quickly. But um, there are very few drivers in racing. First of all, there are very few drivers in racing that get the opportunities that he get gets as far as like, he could run a cup Xfinity truck. Any any team would offer him something. He, he would do it and can do it. So he has different opportunities than somebody who would can just do different late modified stock, you know, wing sprints, those types of cars. Um, and so that gives him the idea, it gives him the opportunity to like say, you know what, I do all of these things on a regular basis and I still win in the cup series. I'm not worried about my full-time job because I already know how to balance all of these things as it is. That's, that's how I would take that. Um, but that, that's a, that's a confidence that I think that he's always had. Um, you know, he came into the, at a, at a, at a young age and it was impressive early. I think that it's probably, there's, there's not going to be any issues with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knows by the time next year in May, I mean, he could already have a win. It, it would be likely in the cup series to, to clinch him in that playoff spot. But I just think that, you know, I think he he's the type of guy that probably it will, like you said, you know, devote more energy and a little more energy time to the Indianapolis ride in May. But it doesn't mean that you know he won't still you know show up and 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 give everything in the uh, in the Cup Series when it comes time to. I mean, he like Steve mentioned, he's already balancing and like we've all talked about him balancing his race schedule every single week of the year. It seems like going every rich direction just to get behind the wheel. I don't think it will be much difference at all come next year. And I, I don't have, you know, any issue with his statement. Yeah, I don't either. He brings up a good point that he's probably going to win before the race, you know? Um, so I, I would read too much into that quote. I just think it, it shows that how important the Indy 500 is going to be to him. So he's definitely not going to be a slouch about getting, like I said earlier, his car ready for the race. So uh, I, I, we say that as I have on my other screen here, uh, recording on Tuesday night, uh, his high limit series is uh, currently underway uh, in qualifying at Houston Speedway in South Dakota. So what, what like I said earlier, what can't the man do? Uh, he's uh, he's put on a show everywhere he goes. Um, not quite on Sunday though. He was not much of a factor in the Cup Series race at the Indianapolis Road Course. Of course, won by Michael McDowell. Seemed like 
it was uh, McDowell and Chase Elliott were the class of the field. And then uh, it, was, it was pretty much everybody else at that point. It's um, we mentioned earlier, but that was very much an old school race where you weren't having quote unquote artificial drama stirred up by uh, drivers being taken out and the restarts. It was, it was really who brought the best car and who could ex- execute the best. And that's really what racing boils down to, right? It was very, a uh, very much a, um, you know, he who has the best car wins, not he who ha- gets luckiest in all of the drama wins. Does that make sense? I think that's true. But one thing that I was kind of confused about was I thought that the Daniel Suarez bumping Chase Elliott out of the way was a pretty big story, considering how much time he had lost getting to pit road. Obviously, Daniel Suarez lost more time on pit road. Um, but kind of surprised that neither reporter who talked to Suarez or Chase Elliott asked them about it. Um, because, I mean, if you saw the closing laps, closing lap, really, uh, Chase was gaining a lot of ground very quickly on uh, on um, Michael McDowell. And you would have thought that, you know, if there was two more laps, he would have caught him. Um, so the nine ran out of time, um, time that he lost on pit road. And uh, I just thought that would have been really interesting had those two been, that would have made the racing a lot better. Uh, maybe not as much of a snooze fest if, you know, it was the most popular driver running down and, and with, with Michael McDowell under attack from the nine, the last lap would have made for a, a pretty crazy finish. But, um, you know, there was, that was really the only, there was those three cars, the 99, the 34 and the nine were, the, the focal point all day. And I, there was a lot of fun to watch those specific things, but like you saw Ricky Stenhouse jr. Was running into everybody. Um, <laughs> Starting a, an international affair. Almost. <laughs> it was Van Gisbergen was doing some of that. Also uh, Kobayashi was, it was like, you know, a, a couple of these, these guys were just all over the place. And, um, but you know, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, the, the, I thought the Suarez chase thing was a little, it was more important than they made it seem like, but um, I guess it all's well that ends well. I don't think neither of them talked about it. And I don't think anybody asked either of them about it. Yeah. As far as, um, you know, the race itself goes, uh, a couple uh, stats that I he- have here in my notes that I saw on Twitter from on, uh, well, I guess it's now X, excuse me. Um, on Jeff Gluck's page, uh, there was a green flag run in this race of 117 minutes, which was almost the whole, pretty much the whole race. Because the race, I mean, it was over. It was over. It was like a two-hour and four-minute race or something like yeah. that was the runtime. Just insane. It was like the longest green flag run in seven years. And then first cup race, there was just one caution, and that was all the way in this, what, second lap in like a decade. Uh, since a one caution so just all kinds of factors and this is um uh, one of the you know factors in this thing remaining green it's obviously taking out the stages in the road course and that makes you know it just changes the whole game for pretty much these road courses um and kind of makes it that race where hey if you have the car to beat good luck catching that one. And that's what we saw from Michael McDowell. Um, and Michael, I listened to the whole actions detrimental. He joined Denny Hamlin after 
um, Denny a couple weeks ago, uh, challenged him to prove him wrong with what he thought was going to happen in this stretch of races, and Michael did. And he McDowell mentioned how he was nervous uh, this weekend uh, because mainly because you know in on Saturday he knew that he he said I knew that you know this was the car and and I to to win and got a little nervous but hey I mean with another must win playoff contender right behind him Chase Elliott uh, McDowell finished the job so hats off to him. Yeah, I will um, – a couple points here. So the racing, um, I think we could have gone with a longer race. You know, something they need to look at if they're going to continue to not have stage cautions because look at the time difference. I, I forget which race, maybe Sonoma earlier in the year, that was super short in terms of length, um, um, in terms of time. Um so the complete opposite happened because stage cautions took so long at road courses and added so much time, it felt like, to the road courses. Now, when we don't have stage cautions, we could end up, like we did Sunday, having um, a long green flag run. Um, and that ends up making the race shorter. And I feel like if we would have had, you know, 10 to 20 more laps, that could have really made the, the strategy interesting in terms of, like Denny Hamlin, not pinning at all. Um, and then hold and saving his fuel up to, to get the stage two victory. I feel like if we could have had a longer race with some differing length of stages to maybe add to a little bit of, uh, you know, more strategy into the race, kind of like the Indy car felt like, I felt like it just the length of that race really played into the fuel amounts that they had and made the race more interesting. So I think that was one thing that could have made it more interesting, but I will say, like we've been talking about, the best cars were there. And I think the Suarez could be lumped into those three with Chase Elliott and Michael McDowell in terms of having a fast car. Um, He was, I thought, you know, the first two stages, they were able to kind of race back and forth. McDowell made a great pass um, at the end of stage two, um, passing Brad Keselowski and then getting to Denny Hamlin and passing him. I think that was the move of the race, him getting by Daniel Suarez there, and then by Brad Keselowski, and then obviously Denny Hamlin when he came to pit. Um, and, and I just, I, I really enjoyed it because, um, you know, up until stage three, I thought stage three was kind of boring. But up until then, I, I thought, you know, any of those drivers could have won the race between Suarez, um, Chase Elliott, or McDowell. Uh, and then when you have a team like McDowell's team who's not known to, you know, just – have the best car and the best speed all day. And, and he did and took advantage of it. So I thought that was cool. Um, but I, I think in the future, that's something we need to look at. I do think the, the Suarez Chase Elliott deal is interesting too, because um, I saw some videos after the race, I forget who it was on Twitter, that Chase Elliott was talking to Rockefeller, um, you know, kind of felt like he held him up at the end of that race where Chase seemed a little bit, I think Chase might've been a little bit more angry at Suarez had he not been held up by, by Rockefeller there towards the end. So that, that might've played into why we didn't hear from Chase after that. Cause I think had Rockefeller gotten out of the way, he, Chase said he held him up one to two seconds. That that's what he lost by. So um, that's something that may have played into Chase not being quite as mad at Suarez. I think it's interesting how the, uh, you know, the top three cars there, they they were head and shoulders above the rest of the field, but it was 
Also, but I do I think do... Kyle Bush, Kyle Bush, had he not had the problems, he was showing some speed. Um, maybe not quite as fast as them, but if he would have had a good pit stop or something, I feel like he he was kind of closing on Chase at times in the first stage before he obviously had the end of the problem. That's very fair, yeah. I just think that, you know, even though the top three were so much better than the rest of the field, they were so equal together that, you know, it was very hard. I, I know Chase was charging at the end, and, and Suarez and Chase had a bit of a battle, but uh, it wasn't like they were able to flat run down McDowell or whatever the, and, and create a race that way. I, I felt like a lot of the the gap stayed pretty much the same for most of that, that long run, especially after stage two once uh, stage two ended once um, Denny and Brad finally came in that the, the gap didn't really fluctuate a whole, whole ton. And it just, it kind of reminded me of the whole thing about how the cars are just set up so equal these days. And, um, and, and that kind of soured me a little bit, but overall, I mean, it was still good to see that, you know, the, the most deserving car won the race, not necessarily the car that got luckiest. Like, this is definitely a race where, um, where where Kyle Busch is not saying he just backs into wins like like McDowell earned that one for sure. Uh, and and Jake, to your point that the interview he did with Denny Hamlin on Actions Detrimental this week was uh, was was a really really good expository information about you know what Furniture goes through compared to some of the processes that Denny has described earlier in the season about what he does at JGR and what his 2311 drivers go through. So uh, it's very good to hear from McDowell after that. Did you just say the furniture row? Front row. I think you said furniture row. Rest in peace, furniture row racing. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Barney Visser, we will take some sponsorship from furniture row here on Cloudy with a Chance of Racing. The furniture row has officially died right now. Oh no! Uh, anyways, um, yeah. So I think it's 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 good to see uh, that the most deserving car won. I will say though that McDowell's win. And also, last point, real quick, is it's interesting that that the three cars who are right there at the bubble, basically, you know, take out like Ty Gibbs, he wasn't really a, uh, much of a factor up at the front, and then Bubba as well. But the other three cars, the three that were at the top, are right there at the bubble. I now thought that made some for some very interesting storylines because if any one of those drivers won and of course mcdowell went did it changed up the playoff scenarios a ton Mm -hmm. now bubba wallace is only 28 points to the good but now also bubba is really the only one who is kind of in danger uh of missing the playoffs if he doesn't win out of the 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 three available spots on points right now because uh harvick and uh, Keselowski are both plus a hundred or more over the cut line. So realistically it's just Bubba who could get knocked out on points. And, uh, and, and of course too, when you go to Watkins Glen where, uh, you know, Chase Elliott is a favorite there as well. And you go to Daytona where anything can happen. Uh, I would say the 23 bunch is sweating bullets all the next couple weeks. Anything can happen, but it's worth mentioning that if there is a driver who can show up at Daytona, it is Bubba, uh, and and keep it clean. Because, you know, I think of the drivers in the series, he is the most likely to be good for the longest period and not get wrapped up in a wreck. But again, it's, it's a night race. There's a lot more at stake. There's so much going on that you don't have to worry about as much at the 500. Um, so we'll see. I mean, 
again, like Bubba, I thought had a pretty decent race this weekend. I, I, he didn't do anything really wrong. His car just wasn't amazing. He didn't drive poorly. It just, you know, he was what he was and, and he's, he's not a road course driver, but he did. Okay. I thought he didn't, he didn't hurt himself. Um, as, as he definitely could have put himself in a worse position. Schedule certainly sets up to make you nervous. If you're above a fan like me in 2311, I mean, it, I guess, a, you know, a win by any of the guys behind him obviously knocks him down. Um, so you can't just say, you know, go out there and if, at Watkins Glen. Well, you, you would like to in, in case someone below you doesn't win too because you're only 28 above just to have a decent race, you know, not get into any accidents. But um, you just, you know, it's uh, – It'll be interesting because you know you you think that Suarez will come out here guns a blazing too, just like he did at at Indianapolis, being a road course and coming back. That and another guy that uh, I mentioned earlier in the show, and he's having kind of a disappointing year though. But road course guy AJ Allmendinger is right there in the mix as well. All three of those guys below Bubba. So man, uh, it's it'll be interesting. Um, that that's for sure, and expect you know that's kind of why they made you know Daytona this playoff cutoff because you know anyone really has a chance there. Yeah, and I think Bubba's somebody that can win. He might not win the race at Daytona, but he he's going to put himself in position to win both of the stages, and I think that's going to be big when it comes to points. Um, it would have been actually pretty interesting had Michael McDowell not win uh, won that race Sunday or win next week the him and Bubba I feel like are the two most aggressive guys you feel like early in races at um super speedways so that would have been cool to see them racing for stage wins and, and that brings up another point I just want to mention McDowell could end up being a pretty good um playoff driver here because just think he could get some more stage wins over the next two races put himself up in good position to you know have some stage points um some stage wins that is um heading into the playoffs, I, I wouldn't put it past McDowell making it a couple rounds, especially with the speed that he's shown so far this season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've shown improved speed across all different types of tracks. You know, I think, uh, you know, a Kansas could be, you know, a really good race for them to, to rack up some points and help him advance in the playoffs. Uh, you know, they go to the Roval. He, he conceivably could win that and get his way into the, uh, the the round of eight there, so uh, it'll be very interesting, uh, or not the round of the round, whatever the second to last round is, uh, and it's a cutoff race, so he conceivably could go rounds like you mentioned, Dylan. It'll be very interesting to watch, uh, and good to have a feel good story in the in the playoffs as well. A couple of them because because uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. will be in there as well. Um, going to uh. Today they have uh, had a tire test at the Indianapolis Oval for Goodyear. This was to be yesterday and today. Yesterday, apparently, some bad weather. I guess cars only got a handful of laps on the track. Uh, closed to media and spectators. Although, if you are uh, visiting the IMS Museum, you could have technically gone up on the hills on turn in turn one and seen some of the testing there. But uh, 
I just, as we started recording, took a browse online and did not see any leaks of information from uh, from Bob Pockers. So uh, it seems that uh, either they didn't get the test today. I haven't looked at what the weather in Indianapolis was, but it seems they either didn't get the test today or NASCAR has absolutely sworn everyone to secrecy and not letting anything out about how that test went. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens if they uh, return to the road course next year or uh, go back to the oval layout. Uh, and I think I think we're all in agreement that the road course has kind of run its course at this point, that, that the oval would be a good return, uh, at least you know to see what the, the next-gen car can do there. I see Steve vehemently nodding his head there. Yes, absolutely. So as we uh, we wrap up the Indianapolis Road Course weekend, uh, before we get to Watkins Glen talk uh, with our picks and everything, uh, let's get to some pop-up showers, Jake. Sure thing. Something that I saw online today with my pop-up shower comes from at Trey Ryan 99 on X. And it's just a simple stat that you can do what you want with this. Um, most starts in each of NASCAR's top three series, so Cup Xfinity trucks, without making a single start in another series. In the Cup series, Ricky Rudd, 406 starts. In the Xfinity series, Jeremy Clements, 453 starts. And That's then, insane. <laughs> without a start in, in the other two, and then in the trucks, it's Tyler Ankrum with 107. And he's he's pretty young, but... That Jeremy Clements one, I don't know why. I just thought that was fascinating. 453 starts in the Xfinity. That Trey Ryan guy is super good. He has these weird stats that he finds that I just <laughs> that you don't think about. Yeah, I was um, like, okay. Yeah. He And then he also had other, uh, if you want to go to his page, he has most wins in each series without winning a race in another series. So go to his page for that one. Very interesting. Uh, we'll we'll link it in the the podcast description. Yeah, uh, that's what that's what the YouTubers say, right? Uh, check the link in the description below. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're not on YouTube, but uh, maybe someday. I don't know. Uh, so that's a good that's a good pop shower, Jake. Uh, I wouldn't have. I, I guess Jeremy Clements. Yeah, he's run a ton of Xfinity races and nothing else. Yeah, that makes sense. I just didn't realize it was that many. Steve, Dylan, which one of you wants to go next on pop-up showers? Uh, well, I have one that I saw uh, this one, I guess, three days ago. So that would have been like Saturday. Um, it was on Instagram. It might have, I saw it on Instagram. Um, I was looking at the 2311 racing. Uh, they came up and, and the caption was, uh, Jake liked it, showing uh, Kamui Kobayashi around the racing capital of the world. And you swipe like four pictures, three, four pictures in. You see Tyler Reddick wearing a Daniel Ricardo, uh, looks like a three shirt that like is that old Dale Earnhardt Monte Carlo from the eighties. And I thought to myself, that would be an awesome person to come in and drive the 67 car, uh, Daniel Ricardo, uh, at some point for some, I don't know, Daytona 500 or, or road course. Uh, I think Ricardo, if he ever were to, maybe leave formula one or maybe, you know, in a different role to come over to the cup series would do absolute wonders for, uh, viewers and would be a lot of fun to watch. My pop-up shower. Um, once again, dirt tracks here in Kentucky, I wasn't able to go, but Florence speedway, 
in Northern Kentucky hosted one of the biggest, uh, well, the biggest night of racing in Kentucky now that, you know, RIP Kansas Speedway. But um, <laughs> it, it was a uh, fun weekend. It was a great race from what I saw um, in the North South 100, their late models, dirt late models. Uh, Bobby Pierce, who's bursting on to the scene as, you know, probably the most dominant uh, driver right now in the late models um, on the dirt side of things. So he won. Um, which was big, $75,000 to him. And um, this weekend, I'll be heading to Richmond Raceway once again um, here in Kentucky for the Butterball Memorial, which is a $20,000, over $20,000 super late model um, purse there Saturday night. Um, August is always the biggest weekend, uh, biggest, excuse me, month for racing in Kentucky. So it would be a great place to put Kentucky Speedway on the cup schedule sometime in the month of August if it were to ever come back. Yeah, uh, Steve or Dylan, excuse me. I saw that uh, that the, your Motorsports Monday segment yesterday uh, with um, and and it, you listed the top five there. So it was Bobby Pierce, like Hudson O'Neill, uh, Jonathan Davenport, and, and that an absolutely stacked top five. I mean, the only the only people yeah. I could think of the you could possibly ask for in that finishing order would have been Scott Blomquist and Mike Marler. Yeah, definitely. And, and Marler's won some races. He, he won the big race um, at uh, Ponderosa Speedway <laughs> earlier this summer. Marler did. So um, Kentucky, underrated dirt track scene for sure. 100%. We need Larson, we need Larson to make an appearance here. <laughs> well, you need to get Larson out of the sprint car seat first. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, yeah, so that, those are, are good ones. And, uh, Steve, I liked yours as well. That was a, a, a good pop-up shower. I think, uh, I think Daniel Ricardo wants to come to NASCAR. He definitely wants to. It's just oh, yeah. all about the, you know, those F1 contracts. I feel like they're so limited on what you can do because you hardly see F1 drivers do anything. I mean, you don't, you don't even really see F1 drivers in, uh, in the Le Mans anymore. Mm-hmm. So, right. um, he'd have to be out of an F1 contract before he can come to NASCAR, but I think that'd be really cool. Uh, for him to come do it sometime. My pop-up shower uh, was this past weekend in uh, in Pontiac, Michigan, close to where I live. Uh, they did a deal called Roadkill Nights. They've done it for many years now. Basically, they take a stretch of street, uh, literally a, a public street in, in Pontiac, and they close it down, and they have uh, drag racing. And so you see, you know, big tire, you know, pro mod cars, absolutely tearing it up they don't have a christmas tree or anything they do it old school with the drop of the hands and uh and look like a really cool time i hate that i couldn't go but of course in pontiac they also have um a uh a a place called m1 concourse which uh, they have um you know kind of a road course up there and uh and and some different places so they had like drifting i think they might have like some autocross they had a, a crazy good car show people with all kinds of insane builds out there and it seemed like a really good time. And, uh, and Dylan, like you mentioned as, as August is being racing month in, in, in Kentucky, August is definitely car month in the state of Michigan, especially around Detroit. You know, you have roadkill nights, uh, it was last weekend. I think this weekend, maybe it might be the Woodward dream cruise, which is a, a crazy deal. So Woodward Avenue runs from Pontiac and literally a straight line through, uh, through a lot of the suburbs of Detroit right down to the middle of downtown Detroit and people will take their, their classic cars and stuff. And those drive the, 
you know, up and down Woodward Avenue and people will, will literally set up lawn chairs in the sidewalks and stuff through all these little uh, suburb communities and stuff and just watch the classic cars roll through. Uh, so a really fun time here in, uh, in Metro Detroit and it's kicked off by, uh, by Roadkill Nights there last weekend. So a cool deal. And uh, I think my favorite car that I, I heard that was at Roadkill Nights, this group uh, that's up in central Michigan uh, called the Side by Side Blog, they, uh, they took, a, imagine like your, your utility UTV kind of deal. So not like a, a side by side where you're going like off-roading, but like, you know, a kind of utility side by side kind of deal where you're, you're, you're working on your land kind of, kind of thing. And they, it was a four seater. They ripped the max seats out, they extended the chassis and they dropped an 800 horsepower Hellcat motor in it with a power glide. Uh, so, and it is every bit as rowdy as you can imagine that thing being. And, uh, and it looks super cool. Uh, I've seen some videos of it online or whatever. Watch the whole build online on their YouTube channel uh, for the side by side blog. And it is insane. Uh, so I, I can't wait. To, hopefully I get to see it sometime in person. Uh, worth noting as well. They also have a, uh, 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 a side by side of some sort. I don't know if it's a Polaris or what, what model it is, but they put a billet block two JZ in it. And uh, that thing is insanely rowdy too. Like some sub two second zero to 60 times on dirt with paddle tires. Uh, so some crazy things going on there with the side-by-side blog. But uh, yeah, Roadkill Night's happening here in uh, in the Detroit area. Last weekend was my pop-up shower. Uh, let's get to our uh, race picks for this past week. And our actual picks, uh, we all had pretty good weeks. And somehow... I, I was dead last out of us, and I fit, my guy finished 11th, Chris Busher, um, which is, again, a, a better finish than what you would take Chris Busher for at overall face value, I think. Like, you know, Chris Busher wasn't always known as a good road course racer in the last couple of years. He has blossomed into a pretty good one, and he uh, finished 11th. Uh, let's see, Blake. Uh, who was on with us last week? He, he took SVG, who finished tenth, so a good run there. Um, let's see, then Steve, your guy C Bell finished ninth, which was I think a sneaky good day. I don't think many people talked about him much in the broadcast, but sneaky good day there for C Bell. Uh, fourth place for Jake with Tyler Reddick, and then Dylan's guy uh, Chase Elliott finishing second. Um, a huge points day for uh, for Chase Elliott there, but unfortunately. Pretty much everybody he is racing against in the points, trying to make it in the playoffs, also had huge days. So it didn't really help him very much in the point standings. Uh, but that, um, with that result, Jake, or excuse me, uh, Dylan, that has really helped you. You've jumped out to a sizable lead now. You have 846 points. Steve is your next closest competitor. We're 767. I am 50 points adrift of Steve at 87, or sorry, at 717. And Jake, you're you're catching up to me. I've had a string of some some bad runs. I think in the last seven weeks, I have one top ten, and that was MTJ winning at uh at Loudon. And I have uh, eight top tens in the last nine races. Yeah, so you are you're absolutely crushing it, and I am struggling. So Jake, you're only uh, twenty two points behind me to get out of the cellar. That's I a got, huge opportunity a, for you there. Uh, but I'm hoping court. I can spoil it. Yeah. And so our pick order this week is uh, myself, Steve, Jake, and Dylan. And uh, and so I, I'm my back's up against the wall here, so I got to do it. I got to take Chase Elliott. I mean, who else am I going to take at Watkins Glen, right? Yeah. 
Sorry, guys, I spoiled the whole party. My thing about Chase is, you know, when his back's been against the wall, because it is, and you know, with the, you know, with the randomness that could be Daytona and the craziness that could happen there, this is a must-win for him. He has to win this race, and when he's been put with that um, in the past, remember when he won Martinsville to get into uh, the the final four there, he dominated. So we could be in for something similar to that this week. Uh, cool. Um, I know I, I realized I spoiled the whole party there. Sorry guys. <laughs> so, well, so yeah, I mean, I was going to pick chase, but I figured he would be gone because I knew that I wasn't picking first. Um, that's why I should have picked like Kostecki last week. Um, <laughs> and, because you know whatever, but uh, you still ended up with a better finish out of uh, C Bell though. Yeah, but yeah, no, I know. I and C Bell, uh, I figured could have had a good chance, but I think uh, if if there's anybody who can do well at, at Watkins Glen, it's probably Martin Truex Jr. So that's who I'm going to have to go with. Um, if we're going to have a throwback to Chase Elliott's first win, where he. Uh, I believe chased down Martin Truex Jr. and passed him. I believe that's how that happened and then ran out of gas after he won. So I'm going to say, though, reverse happens. If it's not Chase Elliott, it's going to be Martin Truex Jr. All right, Jake, probably the two top chips are off the board. So uh, you have to dig deep here. Yeah, I have in my notes right here, Chase Elliott, if not Truex. (laughs) Well, you know, I was leaning – you know, I, I like Bubba Wallace, so I'm thinking, like, you know, if I pick Chase Elliott, then if he wins, then oh, at least I get my pick right. And I, but, uh, and, and knocks him out. But let, um, I will go back. I picked him last week. I'll just, I'll, I'm going to pick Tyler Reddick again, his, his prowess on these road courses. Uh, you know, at, at Indy, uh, he was, he was the betting favorite heading in and he was just kind of, he was in the, you know, top five, kind of just all race hanging around. I, I think, uh, he, he's due for another one of these road course victories. Okay. And, and maybe, you know, being 2311, being up front battling these other bubble guys will be racing them pretty hard. If you're Tyler Reddick, I know you have to race for yourself, but does it cross your mind at all? that if a driver locked into the playoffs is right on your tail on the last lap, do you let that driver by so it doesn't knock out Bubba? No, I guarantee you his team owner, Denny Hamlin, is saying you win the dang race. That's you fair, because Tyler winning Tyler winning would, uh, wouldn't would knock Bubba out, so that's fair. Yep. All right, Dylan, who are you going with? I'm going, uh, well, it's funny Jake just mentioned his well, – Pick progression. I had Tyler Reddick as my third option behind Truex and Chase Elliott. So I'm going with my fourth option here, and it is going to be none other than the man that was right in the mix yesterday, Daniel Suarez. I think he's going to need a big race. So I'm thinking, expecting stage points out of him uh, for this pick. Um, I was really debating between him and Michael McDowell, but Michael McDowell may not be, you know, as hard charging now that he's. In this, in the in the playoffs. So. Well, don't pick Ryan Blaney because he's going to get dumped by AJ Elmendinger at some point on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Suarez might get dumped by Chase. A hundred percent. I I don't think. I mean, if it becomes, yeah, I one hundred percent see Chase bump uh, doing a bump and run, but in a corner. What do they say? You know, Great also think alike, right? Picking, 
is uh, I was also thinking about picking Bowman. Bowman actually showed a little bit of speed yesterday, and they're getting a little desperate too. So I think that was that was one of, that was my uh, sleeper pick was Alex Bowman because he was there was a, a couple times where I saw he started gaining ground on the leaders, but just didn't have enough to start passing people. But that's kind of the story of the forty eight this this year. It's just yeah, bad luck. So. Uh, yeah, he he made the comment as well after the race. Like they've had speed all year. This had crappy finishes to show for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, like I said earlier, great minds think alike. Uh, we all had basically the same four drivers on our list here. Uh, so Jake has uh, Tyler Reddick again. Uh, Dylan has Daniel Suarez. Steve has MTJ, and I have Chase Elliott. We'll go to our random picks now, uh, where uh, Jake and I had big days. And Dylan and Steve did not. So Jake had Chase Elliott, who finished second and got 49 points. Uh, I had Daniel Suarez, who finished third and got 51 points with his stage points. Uh, second highest point earner there for, uh, for Suarez. The only one higher was um, McDowell, of course, winning the race. Dylan had, it was Andy Lally in the 51 this week. Yes, uh, he finished 30th, got seven points. And Steve... Uh, a 36th place finish for uh, Eric Almarola getting one point. He ran out of gas on the last lap or two, right? Because his mm-hmm. car was, was just parked on pit road right in front of the 34 pits. You saw it in all the celebration pictures and videos. Um, so with that, it's a huge shakeup in the, ra- in the random points. Uh, I still have a healthy lead. I have 643 points. Dylan is the next to me at uh, 527 but Jake is out of the cellar. Jake is now in third place. In approaching 523 points, only four points behind Dylan for second place. And Steve, you are uh, in the cellar now at 499 points. So it is an absolute dogfight there for second, third, and fourth. I'm in a I'm in a dead heat for last place. It's like the story of my life. <laughs> hey, Jake has been there for a while, so he can he can relate to you. Yes. All right, so for our pick order this week, it'll go Steve, Dylan, myself, and then Jake. So let's give the old wheel a spin here for uh, for Watkins Glen. And uh, while I'm doing this, uh, Dylan, you want to get to our forecast for the Finger Lakes? Yeah, actually, for the first time in what feels like ages, rain should not be a factor pretty much all weekend. Maybe some light stuff, but it's a road course, so... Not going to be a whole lot to worry about there. So it should be good to go. Awesome. First spin is done. Steve, you get uh, Todd Gilliland. Whatever. I mean, I don't hate that. Um, I would be better than whoever's in the 15. Uh, that's Andy Lally this week. You're telling me it's not Reed? Reed Sorensen. It's not Reed Sorensen, no. Uh, Dylan, you get Todd's teammate, Michael McDowell, most recent okay. winner. Okay. Wow, that's I'll take that. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I picked him at Chicago, and it was the wrong, you know, street slash road course, right? And you know, my thinking was right. Right, you're in the walk. you're on the right track, or you're on the wrong train. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Steve, who did you say the AJ Allmendinger was going to dump at Watkins Glen this week? <laughs> uh, Mr. Ryan Blaney. Well, I sure hope not, because that's who I got. <laughs> oh, it's over for you. I'm sorry. 
Well, maybe uh, no, as, maybe AJ will will kind of wake up a little bit this week because I think his baby is finally being born like yesterday or today. Well, he's been not very good this year, and so I think that he needs to worry about not dumping anybody because he needs to be focusing on winning a race. Very true, uh, Jake. You got a very good pick. You have a good chance of taking over second place this week. You have Martin Truex Jr. Nice. All right. So uh, there was a whole slew of, of ringers in the race last week, of course. You know, uh, SVG, Kostecki, Kamui Kobayashi, uh, Andy Lally, Jensen Button, uh, Mike Rockenfeller. Only two of those will be back in the Cup Series race at Watkins Glen for the back-to-back road courses. That, of course, will be Andy Lally and Rocky, uh, Mike Rockenfeller in the 42. Um, worth noting before we uh, wrap up here that Noah Gregson has officially parted ways with uh, with uh, Legacy Motor Club. So they announced that uh, Rockenfeller will be in the 42 for this week, uh, for I guess for Indianapolis and Watkins Glen, and then TBD after that. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out because, of course, they're switching manufacturers, so I'm sure that Chevrolet is not going to throw them many bones with uh, Chevy development drivers. So it'll be very interesting to see who they get in that car. Um, almost makes you wonder if uh, if Jimmy Johnson would just drive it to to take care of it. I don't know, uh, but it makes you wonder who they're going to put in that seat for sure. Uh, any final thoughts, guys, before we uh, wrap up this uh, episode 26 of Cloudy with a Chance of Racing? I know that I picked Martin Truex Jr., but Chase Elliott's going to win on Sunday. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm, l- I'm looking forward to Watkins Glen, that, you know, a traditional stop on the schedule. Um, and it, it'll be fun getting up to that, you know, region of the United States. I think uh, if Chase doesn't win and he doesn't make the playoffs, that's a huge story, especially if him and Bowman don't make the playoffs. Rick Kendrick is not going to be a happy man at all. And it'll be interesting to kind of see what the fallout is from that, you know, from him. You know, obviously you can't control them getting injuries off the off the track, but um, that's going to be very disappointing if two Hendrick drivers don't make the playoffs after winning the championship two out of the last three years. Well, the the injuries keeping them out of the seat, but also the the, the hefty penalties that they had earlier in the year too. It's been a double whammy for uh, for those organizations for sure. Um, r- r- last comment, real quick: was the I, I think I know the answer to this, but was the the moved restart zone in Indy was that a good deal? I mean, I know we saw it at, at Chicago, but we also didn't know what to expect otherwise at Chicago. But I think this is the first time that we've had a um, you know a comparison data point on the restart zone uh, at Indy. W- was that good, or what did it did it? kind of go the opposite way where it made the racing perhaps too boring. There wasn't enough action on the restarts. No, I think that it made the restarts good. I mean, there was, there was nothing, uh, the, the bad Sorry, restart singular. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The, <laughs> Literally we had the start of the race. One restart. I was going to say small sample size. I, yeah. Right. I mean, I, regardless, I, even if there were restarts, uh, plural, um, it there really, it would have made it, I think better. I don't like seeing the, the entire everybody bunched up and wrecking each other. So I certainly think it, it was a, an improvement. Yeah. I we think see the, it at the Roval. Oh boy. I mean, part, so part of me says they have to, because the Roval has been the same thing as what you, you we've seen at Coda and at Indy road course with the, the sharp corner. But also at the same time, 
where would they put it in the, at the row hole? Like the middle of, of the big track three and four. Mm. But at that point mm. you, you almost wonder if they're the pace car off the track then. Well, that, and it all, you also wonder too, like they're going to have so much speed built up. Like what can yeah. you possibly do there? Uh, you know, and then you it know, becomes they're, they're, a log jam in the little, whatever they call that. The little well, no, in the on the, well, on the restarts, they have, they have oh, not yeah, run the chicane. Yeah. Yeah, only on the restart. Point. So, uh, but still, I just feel like if you put it earlier in the track at, at Charlotte, that they're just going to have so much speed built up by the time they get to the start finish line that then they're all slamming on their brakes still anyways. And this, they're still going to be dive bombing each other is there's, there's literally just not enough distance. Like at Indy road course, like they had enough distance, they could put it back in like that turn 13, 14 region. And it was plenty of time across the front stretch. For everybody to space out a little bit, you just don't have that at Charlotte, I don't think. By the this way, this is just outlandish thinking, but if they did do the, I mean, maybe the solution is putting the restart zone in the middle of the chicane. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of well, kind of thinking outside. Well, here's box an idea. Really awkward. Here's an idea. The last two Cook 600s have been absolute bangers. Yeah. Let's just go back to the oval. Yeah, true. I'm telling you, Chase Elliott is good at the oval. They will not do that. They want to see him win. And that's what I was going to say is that, like, if he doesn't win at Watkins Glen, he's 100% winning at the Roval. Like, and it's not going to matter because he'll be out of the playoffs by then. But uh, they, the 600 would be awesome if they just did more uh, oval more oval racing at, at Charlotte, but uh, it's not going to happen. I think it should. I we'll agree. Have to wait and see because there I are agree. a lot of, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of rumors on the uh, the schedule bug, especially with Indianapolis going back to the Oval, uh, perhaps and stuff. And but we could do a whole other podcast just on scheduling debates, uh, and we won't keep you for that long. Um, so I think that'll wrap up episode twenty six here of Cloudy with a Chance of Racing. Thank you all so much for listening to us this week and every week as always. Uh, if you like what you hear, be sure to leave us a, a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Tell us what you like, what you didn't like. We very much appreciate that. Also, follow us on social media. We are on uh, Instagram, Threads, and the artist formerly known as Twitter, now known as X, at Cloudy Racing Pod. Uh, so keep up with everything going on there. And uh, it will be coming to you next week, recapping the Watkins Glen week and getting ready for the regular season cutoff for the. Uh, nascar cup series coming up just a week after that at daytona and uh it, there's gonna be so much to talk about so uh so we'll try to keep it concise for you but gonna be storyline storylines galore for the next few weeks for sure thank you all so much for listening for steve jake and dylan i'm braxton have a good one